brass from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. copy of God's Word and go with me to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. Today I'm excited to begin to walk with you through one of the most helpful passages in Scripture. We'll spend the next five Sundays walking through what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. How many of y'all know the Lord's Prayer by heart? Uh, yep, okay, almost all of us here, all right? Many of you know it. Maybe you even say it often, but perhaps we don't often think about what we're actually saying. Perhaps or we don't even think deeply with, with each petition when we're asking God to do these things. Do we think deeply on each petition? Or perhaps this prayer really has no impact on how we pray otherwise. We say that prayer, but then we just go on and it doesn't spill over into the other prayers of our life. You see, it should. Because Jesus didn't just teach us the Lord's Prayer so that we would have words to pray. No, Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer so that we would have an example. An example to help us learn to pray our own prayers. And so for this reason, in, instead of the Lord's Prayer, many people call this prayer the model prayer. And praise God, we've been given a model, right? Because, let's be honest, sometimes we just don't know what and how we really don't know what to say and that can intimidate us into not praying at all especially if it's going to be out loud right, there may be even people in this room like man listen I'll pray all day long but don't you dare ask me pastor to pray out loud in front of some folks or it can lead us to a weak prayer life I think it's really interesting Pew Research found a few years back through this general survey that over half of Americans, all of America, over half, 55% to be exact, say that they pray every day. And for those who claim to be Christians, that, that percentage increases to 68%. Over two-thirds of Christians say that they pray every single day. But despite those findings, I get a sense from years of ministry and just simply talking to other Christians that many feel that their prayer life is weak although they may pray every day those prayers and that prayer life is not what they wish it would be I wonder this morning would you agree with that statement in your own life yes I pray but I feel weak in praying across America people may be praying but to whom are they praying what are they praying for? How long are they praying? How intense are their prayers? Being strong in prayer, y'all, is of great importance. The great British preacher, Charles Spurgeon, he once said, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. You see, when we pray, we are communicating with God. 
But more than communicating with God, we are communing with God. We actively, consciously come into the presence of God when we pray. And yes, God often changes things at the request of our prayers, but the thing that gets changed the most when we pray is actually just us. We are changed when we pray. So beloved, we need to pray. And so the Lord's Prayer here in Matthew 6, it's incredibly practical for us because we need to pray and we need to pray well. And again, more than giving us actual words to pray, Jesus here aims to strengthen our prayers by giving us categories to think about and to pray when we pray. It teaches us to pray well. And so Jesus begins his instruction on how to pray there in Matthew 6, 9 simply by saying this. Pray then like this. And so the title of this series is simply Pray This Way. And we'll walk through each petition of prayer that's contained here so that we will learn categories to think about when we pray so that we might be better prayers. So today we're going to focus on this first petition here found in Matthew 6, 9, which is simply this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you and we want to synchronize our heart with the heart of Jesus here. And that's the whole point of this passage, that our heart would be synchronized with Christ with, and with you, Father, because his heart is synchronized with yours. And so I pray this morning for these people and for myself, God, that we would grow as prayers, that we would be better at communicating and communing with you because of this because of this teaching that Jesus gives us and Father I want to pray for the person here this morning who's come in and they've never turned from sin and trusted Christ as Lord and Savior Father you long to hear the first prayer of faith from their heart and from their mouth which is Lord save me I'm a sinner. So, Father, I pray that you'd work in their heart even today, that that first prayer of faith would burst forth and they would be saved today. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, today's takeaway is simply this. Make the hallowing of God's name your first priority in prayer make the hallowing of god's name your first priority in prayer right we just saw that right pray then this way our father in heaven hallowed be your name and so to help us do that i've got four questions i want to ask and answer this morning and here's the first question what is this petition requesting now jesus says here that we're to pray for our heavenly father's name to be hallowed but what does that mean what does this request mean i think it's important to point out here that this is not a declaration we are not saying hallowed is 
your name. We're not saying that. Jesus is not saying that. I remember when Zach and Eli in particular were smaller. They're 17 and, and going on 15 now. But when they were smaller in particular, I remember teaching them the Lord's Prayer. And I had memorized the Lord's Prayer in the language of the King James. How many of y'all have memorized it in the language of the King James? Right? I mean, most of us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed. You can't just say hallowed. you got to say hallowed. <laughs> Be thy name. But you know what? That's not how we talk. That's not how we talk today. So I, I wanted them to learn the Lord's Prayer in their everyday language so that it would be more genuine for them, more real to them. And so I would say like a modernized line of the Lord's Prayer and then would have them repeat it back to God. I would say, Our Father who is in heaven, and then Our Father who is in heaven. You know, they would do their little boy voices. And then I would say, Hallowed is your name. And they'd say, Hallowed is your name. And we would go on and on with the rest of the prayer like that. But you know what? As I began to do that, for a few nights, the Holy Spirit began to convict me. You see, I had made the mistake of thinking that the phraseology, Hallowed be thy name, was all old English. And so I thought, well, I'll just update the be to is. And the thy to your and it'll be all good but in doing so you know what i'd unwittingly done i had changed that phrase from a petition hallowed be your name to a declaration hallowed is your name and the lord convicted me of that because I, i'm convinced that that jesus is not making a declaration here although if it were a declaration it'd be true amen god's name is hallowed but that's not what Jesus is doing here. You see, he's teaching us to pray and to make petitions to God here. And he's teaching us to pray that God's name would be hallowed. And that's a very important difference that the Holy Spirit convicted me of. And so I had to go back to my kids and say, kids, look, Daddy's been saying the Lord's Prayer just a little bit wrong. It shouldn't be hallowed is your name it should be hallowed be your name and so this is a request it's a petition to god so what is being requested what does it mean for god's name to be hallowed now even the verb hallow is one that we don't use very often in english right we we would probably more more commonly use the synonym sanctify now that's still kind of a church word right a bible word but nevertheless we would typically say sanctify over hallow but to hallow is to sanctify and to sanctify is to hallow but behind our english word hallow or, or sanctify it's actually translated both ways throughout the scripture is the greek uh, the greek verb hagiadzo hagiadzo now the noun hagias simply means holy and so the verb Hagiadzo means to either make something holy or to honor something as holy. And so, can we make God's name holy? Well, no, not really, because it already is. 
you can't do for that which already is, right? So then Hagiazo, hallow, must be requesting that God's name would be honored as something holy. Now, holy is one of those words that's sometimes hard to define. We often think of holy just as meaning something that is righteous. And so we use it that way, very typically, very commonly, we think about it in that way, and it, it is that, but it's more than that. To be holy really means to be set apart, to be seen as different than anything else, to be elevated, to be worthy of worship, to be recognized as having the heaviness and the weight of glory, to be utterly sacred, to be something we should stand in awe of. That's what it means to be holy for something to be hallowed I'm, I'm reminded of what the Lord said in Isaiah 29 the 22nd and 23rd verse thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob Jacob shall no more be ashamed no more shall his face grow pale for when he sees his children the work of my hands in his midst they will sanctify my name it, it could say here hallow my name they will sanctify the holy one of Jacob and watch this and will stand in awe of the God of Israel that's the way that that, that Hebrew poetry and, and elevated language poetic language often works and oftentimes the prophets you know God spoke through prophets in poetic ways they take parallel thoughts and so if you're wondering what does it mean to do this well just he's going to tell you again in a different way and so as he says here they will sanctify my name he comes back with a parallel and says they will stand in awe of my name and so beloved when God's name is hallowed we cannot help but stand in awe of him and so when we pray Father hallowed be your name we're praying that God and His name would become these things that we just talked about in our hearts and in this world. Father, hallow Your name. Set apart Your name. Help us to see that Your name and You are different from any other being or name in existence. Father, elevate Your name. Help us to see that You and Your name are worthy of worship. Father, help us to see that You and Your name are heavy with the weight of glory. Help us to see that you and your name are utterly sacred. Father, help us to stand in awe of your name. Father, cause your name to be hallowed. Hallowed be your name. That's what this petition is requesting us to see happen that's what that's what we're asking God to do here well, so that that answers our first question let's now turn to our second question which is this why should this petition be first and we could answer the question very straightforwardly by simply saying because Jesus put it first right? we could say that right but the, but that answer although it suffices that that's a very sufficient answer it's kind of like 
when your mom or dad, when you asked why, they simply told you, because I said so, right? I mean, that, that's a sufficient answer. They don't have to give you another answer. God doesn't have to give us a different answer. But that's not a very satisfying answer because we're still not really told why. And so here with the Lord's Prayer, we seek a more satisfying answer to why. Why should this petition be first? And I want to give you three reasons. First, the hallowing of God's name should be first in our prayers because the hallowing of God's name meets our greatest need. Right? If you're going to pray, let's pray for the biggest thing first. And what is your biggest need? God. It answers your greatest need, which is God himself. More than the air that we breathe, that we're now drawing into our lungs, we need to be drawn to God. And the hallowing of his name, it does that. You see, when God's name is hallowed, people are attracted to it. It's just like when you turn your porch light on here in the summer. And that light begins to shine out. What happens? Well, here comes all them bugs, right? All them insects flying all around. If you open your door, they're all going to come in your house. They're attracted to that light. I don't understand why. <laughs> I just know that they are. And I want you to understand that God's name being hallowed is like turning on the light switch of that porch. When the glory of God's name comes on and it shines forth, people are drawn to it. They're attracted to it. And we get what we need more than anything in the universe, which is God. So that's the first reason it should be first. Second, I would also say this this morning, that the hallowing of God's name should be first because everything else in this prayer flows from this. Right, so as you're thinking about longing for God's kingdom to come and His will be done, well, because God is worthy of being hallowed, we long for those things. Because God is worthy of being hallowed, we, we, can, we can ask Him to give us what we need. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. <laughs> because God is worthy of being hallowed, we can seek His protection from temptation and the evil one. So all of this is possible because God and His name are worthy of being hallowed. It flows from His hallowed nature, and we should recognize that first. And finally, I would say this. Why should this be first? Well, it should be first because the hallowing of God's name. In that, He must increase and we must decrease. Think about your praying for a moment. How much of our praying is actually focused on ourselves or those around us? A few years back, LifeWay Research found that these are the things that people typically pray about or pray for. Yeah, a few of them prayed that their favorite team would win. <laughs> I mean, and who in this room has not prayed, Dear Lord, please help these Mississippi State Bulldogs beat the Kentucky Wildcats in this basketball game. I mean, it's going to take a divine intervention. Ain't that right, Brother Paul? Praise God. <laughs> 
But most folks, they also prayed for good things. They prayed for their family and friends. They prayed for their own problems. God, help me in this situation. They prayed to God, praising Him for the good things. God, thank you for blessing me. They, they prayed to God concerning their own sin. Father, forgive me. I, I, I did this. I, I kicked the dog. I, 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 I looked mean at my wife. I mean, you know, all those things. They began to pray about that. They prayed for people who were facing natural disasters. But guess what was at the very bottom of their list in this survey? God's greatness. Only 37% of the people in this survey who prayed prayed for God's greatness to be shown throughout the world. And yet, Christ Jesus says that God's glory, God's greatness, the hallowing of His name should be first on our prayer list. If we pray about anything, y'all, we should pray for this. You see, when we pray first and foremost that God's name would be hallowed, we are saying, God, you are more important than anything else in this world. You're more important than me. You're more important than my loved ones. You're more important than who wins this game. God, you are of utmost importance. So, Father, you must increase. And we must decrease. And for this reason, the others I've shared with you here, the hallowing of God's name should be our first petition. So now that we understand what the petition that God's name would be hallowed means and, and why it should be first in our prayers. I want, to third, I want to turn now to our third question, which is this, how, all right? Question three and question four are going to be how questions, all right? We did the why, we did the why. let's move to the how. <laughs> the first question is this, how does God hallow his name? You know what? Jesus doesn't tell us here. He just tells us we should ask for it. Just ask for God to hallow his name and get out of the way is kind of what the sense is here, right? But throughout Scripture, we see God pursuing the hallowing of his name through three primary ways. His self-revelation, his actions, and his prohibition. So consider with me how God hallows his name through self-revelation. Have you ever considered what you would actually know about God if he had not revealed himself to us i mean we can't see him most of the time right i mean let's be let's be real yes god has visually manifested himself to humanity at times over the course of history but those times are few and far between yes creation itself it reveals some things about god but honestly as you go outside and you look around the only two things that we can really draw from creation itself, according to Romans 1, from creation about God, is that God is and that God is powerful. Those are the only two things that we can ascertain from creation for sure. Everything else is wholly hypothesized. So creation doesn't reveal much of anything for certain about God other than those two things. He exists and he's powerful. So how do we then know so much about God? Because we do, don't we? And the answer is because he has revealed himself to us. 
He's spoken to us through prophets and apostles. He has told us that He is holy. He's told us that He's good. He has told us that He is faithful. He has told us we could go on and on and on. We see the Lord very explicitly doing this Himself in Exodus 34. Verse 6 and 7, for instance. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So God here is himself revealing to us his character, his nature, the fact that he is worthy to be hallowed. But we also see God revealing himself through human authors. I mean, again, we could go to multiple places in Scripture, but the Psalms are really good for this. Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9, for instance. We read, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Sounds like we just heard this, right? The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all He has made. Psalm 86, verse 5, for instance, another great psalm, where God, through the Holy Spirit, through the psalmist, is revealing Himself to us. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. And we could pile up a thousand verses where God does this, right? We could just take the Bible and say it's in there. All throughout, it's in there. God, time and time again, reveals himself that he is worthy of being hallowed. But second, consider how God hallows himself, which is through his actions. Through his actions over and over again, God not only tells us of his greatness, tells us of his glory, he also demonstrates it through his actions. Again, we could pile up, couldn't we? Example after example, but consider just, just, just these four. Consider creation. Creation. God creating all that exists out of nothing. Builders for Christ are on their way to Oklahoma and some of them are already there and you know what they're going to do they're going to build some stuff but they're going to take stuff that already existed and build a church building that ain't how God did it he created the stuff that then the stuff was built with you know what I'm saying he's different he's holy he's separate he is other than us think about the exodus for the people of Israel coming out of Egypt into the promised land I mean God was demonstrating very deliberately that he's great and greatly to be praised and that he's holy and that he's worthy of worship and awe. Think about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God's demonstrating right there. You think to, to, to Romans chapter 3 that God is not only just, right? He's holy, righteous, he's just, he's all of those things. He is hallowable but he's also the justifier of sinners. So he's showing that he is holy, 
holy, holy at the same time, being merciful, merciful, merciful. And finally, just think about your life. Right? I mean, I'm not saying leave the Bible, but your life is a continuing revelation in some sense to the testimony and the greatness of God. How has God worked in amazing and glorious ways in your life? And to answer that, you don't just need to read about the glory of God in the book. You've experienced it from your salvation to all the goodness that God has shown you and to all the goodness that God will show you. You've seen it firsthand. God hallows His name through His actions. Third and finally, I I want you to consider how He hallows His name through His prohibitions. Now, we could look at several, but I I, want to go to the big one, the, the primary one. I'm thinking about the third commandment from Exodus 20 verse 7 the third commandment in the Ten Commandments where God reveals this you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain so this is a prohibition here right don't do this it's there to guard God's name that it may not be belittled or profaned or are muddied so God's very clearly saying that his name will be hallowed it and if not you will be condemned I've personally seen God's prohibition here work in the heart of a man's life to hallow God's name in their heart and in their mind back in 24 the fall of of, of, of 2014 back in 2014 that fall I was preaching through the Ten Commandments and on the day that I was preaching the third commandment you shall not take the name of your Lord God in vain I had a man in that service and I could just sense I mean the Lord was the Lord was on him convicting him he came up to me after the service visibly shaken by what he'd heard under substantial conviction almost to tears and he told me he said preacher I've never heard that in my life and he said I've broken that command innumerable times and you could just see the brokenness in his heart and God I want you all to know God used that day to begin his repentance unto Christ and not long after that not many months after that that man would turn from sin and trust in Christ that man was and is my dad it was awesome it was awesome but the turning point as I look back on his testimony I mean, that's one of the cool things about being a preacher, right? Sometimes you could write people's testimonies for them in one sense, right? One version of it anyway. And if I were to write my dad's testimony, I would go to Exodus chapter 20 right there and point to the third commandment because that was the turning point where he began to turn and to look toward the cross because he was a sinner in need of a Savior. It broke him. 
hearing that prohibition against not hallowing God's name. And isn't God good? <laughs> He's amazing, y'all. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So, Father, hallowed your name. <laughs> but finally this morning, I want to turn to the fourth question. And it's this. How can we, how can we hallow God's name? Now, some of you have probably heard this before. But did you know that our Jewish spiritual ancestors took the name of God very, very seriously? You see, the name of God was so holy to them that they would not speak God's actual name. God revealed His actual name to be Yahweh. Yahweh, which, which translated basically means I am. They would not say that. They would instead call him Adonai, which is Hebrew for Lord. That's why all throughout the Old Testament, when you read your translation of the Hebrew and of the Aramaic there, you'll never see the word Yahweh in most translations. Instead, you see the word Lord, but it's in small caps. It's all caps, but it's that small cap sort of thing. And every time you see that, the word behind that is not actually Adonai, Lord. The word is actually Yahweh. But they were so careful to not speak that name that it became a tradition. Whenever you see the word Yahweh, don't you dare say it. Just say Adonai, say Lord. And so that we carry that tradition forward. But even more than that, when Jewish scribes would write the name of God after they wrote it, they would take their writing utensil, their pencil, their pen. Um, that's not what they used, but nevertheless, you know what I'm talking about. Their writing would break it and put it aside. They would never use it again after they had written Y-H-W-H. That's how we say it in English. I'm not even going to try to say it in Hebrew, right? Those letters, but nevertheless, there it is. They said God's name is so hallowed that 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 writing utensil has reached the apex of its creation. It has written the name of God and it will never write another word. So when you think about that, they hallowed God's name. But in the new covenant, we don't, we don't do it in, in the same ways there, right? Those traditions, and those are traditions. God never said, don't speak my name. God never said, break your pencil after you write it. God never said those things. Again, that, that, that was their heart's desire to not even get close to doing that. They were so afraid that they would profane God's name. So they set up boundaries that were far back from crossing that line. But how can you and I, how can you and I hallow God's name? Just three quick ways. You can hallow God through your heart, through your actions, and through your words. Through your heart, through your actions, and through your words. You hallow God through your heart by making Him your utmost joy, your supreme love. You set Him apart and elevate Him to the highest point of your affections. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37 when he said you shall love the Lord your God with 
all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That's hallowing God with your heart. And so just as a self-reflection question, is God uppermost in your affections? Is, is God set apart in your heart and high and lifted up above everything else? If so, you're hallowing His name with your heart. Of course, you can also hallow God by your actions. Jesus tells us in John 14, 15, He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Guys, every time we do what God said to do, live that holy life, walk in the light of Christ, we are declaring to the world that God is hallowed. That we are completely set apart and devoted to God. Our life is God's. And as He is holy, we are holy. So you hallow God, honor the holiness of God's name with your life. But finally, you can hallow God's name with your words, with your words. And, and for this, you can do that both with what you say and then what you refuse to say. As for what you say, y'all brag on God, praise God every chance you get. I'm, I'm reminded of Psalm 105, verse 1, 2, and 3, where it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on His name. Listen, make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His name. His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord and so when you testify and witness to the goodness of God, you are hallowing God's name. You're bringing honor to the holy name of God. You also do that when you speak the good news of Jesus Christ. You are declaring to the world that God is holy and that we are not. You're setting apart God. And when you tell someone that you are a sinner, you've fallen short of the glory of God. But God in His goodness and mercy sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to live, die, and rise again to save you from your sins. And if you'll hate your sin and love Christ and trust in the work of Christ, you will be saved. You are hallowing God's name. The world needs to hear that. The world needs to hear you praise God and the world needs you to evangelize in the name of God. But we also hallow God's name with our words also by what we don't say. <laughs> Y'all, there, there are some things that should not come out of our mouths. It's one thing for it to come into our mind. and That's bad enough, right? God knows your thoughts. He knows when you say that word in your mind it didn't come out of your mouth but it's especially bad when it comes out of your mouth particularly in the area of God's name so don't use God's name flippantly don't use it as a cuss word 
and don't use it to make promises you're not going to keep. When you do those three things, you are profaning the name of God. You are lowering the name of God. So revere God's name. Respect God's name. Hallow God's name. Beloved, pray this way. Pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed your name. Here's my final prayer this morning. May the starting point of your prayer be the unending elevation of God and His name.